Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. My name's Scott Coyne and I'll be your host this week. Our Ben is otherwise indisposed, but as ever, we're we're always in good company here. How are you, Yoris? I am um I'm just back from doing some some live TV. Has your day been as eventful as that? Uh, no, not really, not really. I'm uh, uh, although it at work it was quite eventful, and I even got a little bit of a headache of that. But maybe it's also because I'm just sick and tired of draws. But uh, we'll we'll talk about that later on. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll let Joris uh, wax lyrical about uh, how his side, um, yeah, are picking up too many draws at the moment. That's for sure. Let's start as we always do uh, with a little score roundup. We'll start with the pro league as ever. Um, Friday night started uh, with the big game at the Stade du Pays. Charleroi managing to to win that one very dramatically, two one against Molenbeek Circle Bruges won 3-2 against Leuven Westerlo won 1-0 against Cortrijk to get off the mark Anderlecht uh, had a rather entertaining 3-1 win over Mechelen in Brussels the big game of the weekend was the game at Sklesen Standard Liège running out 2-1 winners against Club Brugge Antwerp steamrolled Open, winning 4-1 at the Bossel. Ghent and Genk drew, as Joris was hinting at there. If you didn't already know, that was uh, one each. And St. Truden lost convincingly at home to rampant Union Saint-Gerois, who won four goals to nil. So why don't we start at the top then, Joris, with um, Friday night's game, uh, where Felix Mazu's Charleroi managed to just about get themselves out of trouble in the nick of time. Yep, indeed. Uh, in a special edition of uh, Mazu time that uh, had been a while now, of course, the late winners uh, team that he used to run at, well, Mainly at his first fell at Chalua, me and also a bit at Union, but uh, also here yeah, now here it came up again. And uh, Charleroi are also still unbeaten at home. The game on itself, well, that's a difficult one to to really comment to comment much on. Uh, the I found the first part well quite. Well, casual, not really uh, entertaining from either side. Uh, but in the final 15 to 20 minutes, maybe, uh, everything turned around uh, dramatically. Uh, well, first with um, you know, coffee, um, yeah, not being able to handle a pass back uh, and being a bit overly confident in his footballing skills, which he has shown his uh, technical skills in, in uh, seasons prior and also uh, this season already a few times. But this time, it did not end up well for him with uh, Gaye managing to t- uh, basically take the ball off of his feet and score one of the easier goals that he will make in his career. Uh, but yeah, that was only the start of the drama. <laughs> the drama... Yeah, uh, for for uh, especially for uh, Molenbeek as well, of course, because they, they did concede the late on uh, the the 1-1 draw, uh, and additionally, I believe that was after that uh, the, the equalizer came. Um, yeah, there was a little bit of a fight with Mboop, uh, and Gay was trying to intervene there and calm Mboop down. He actually did that and. For no apparent reason, it is was him who got the, the yellow card and in uh, even the, the red cards. Um, <laughs> yeah, after that, uh, the second yellow card, and that well led to yeah more that that, that has a lot of consequences, uh, especially since Sharrawa uh, also even managed to to score um, yeah the, a goal of, uh, that was a really brilliant goal in how it was hit. 
should not have fallen because the way it was defended as well uh, from uh, I forgot his name again as well here uh, the, the the new left back with great statistics at Shagri was that I'll quickly run that as well but um, yeah that's definitely um, hurt them in this game but additionally the, the more problems are for Molenbeek that Gaye now of course is suspended well in well, it very much looks like it's not would not really be the case if the referee had not given the wrong person the the, the yellow card. Um, while also we got the news that Biron is out for uh, three months, also uh, Sambu uh, Mansoni is out um, for a while, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, the injury worries and then suspension worries are are yeah eating them up at the moment a bit uh, so they, they could could do without that yeah and Gaye might have been actually to, get, to bring it back to this game he had been heading away uh, the corners uh, for the set pieces from Charleroi very effectively throughout the whole game which you might make you believe that that second goal and the loss for, for uh, Molenbeek might not have happened um, if he would not have gotten a send off um, yeah that's uh, uh, that, that's uh, something we will never know, of course, but uh, it, it was just definitely a possibility. And of course, the name that I was looking for was Draxnes, uh for the, the second goal. Uh, yeah, a, a brilliant way to hit a ball, which he could have probably put in way more easier. But this was more entertaining, I guess. Yeah, I think Shalaba were just about worthy winners in the end. And my uh, is the pressure off Felix Mazu now, in a way. I think things had been building. I was... When I was watching this uh, before the winner went in right at the death, there um, I was um, I was starting to get very worried. I thought, you know, he's in real trouble now because only last week he came out and was very public about saying, you know, the players have to wake up. Um, I think he was feeling that obviously the pressure was rising in him as much as it was his his own players. So that that will be an absolutely huge relief to them against a side who who have proven to be kind of quite difficult to handle um, so far. You were mentioning the the Molenbeek injuries and and them piling up. Some of them are kind of quite significant now. So just maybe all of the points that they've racked up so far, which are a decent amount, they have had a a not bad start to the season, as we've been saying for a while now. I, th- I think they they might be needing to rely on that possibly for a little while because they're they're not going to be at full strength for for a bit, are they? No, definitely not. So uh, yeah, let's see how they can cope with it. The answer lies the answers lie in the future, of course. Uh, yeah, speaking of the future, um, I wonder what future holds for a certain uh, Kevin Denke who. Got a hat trick this weekend, a magnificent hat trick for a Circle Bruges in their three-two win at home against um, Leuven. And uh, Kevin actually had a had a had a really good game, um, I thought, and could have had more. Um, neither side were at their best defensively, it has to be said. You know, we were joking while we were watching this, weren't we, that this could be a very very high scoring draw. The the way that it started, we had a a couple of goals inside the the opening uh, four minutes as well to to kind of get our hearts all racing. What did you make of this one, yours? The defending at both sides in these initial stages of the game were was uh, was horrific or. Uh... Well, you you would use another word for that. So that I, I will refrain from that at the moment. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, just the, a much needed win for for Stirkler, of course. Now after these three losses in a row, 
Um, even though they conceded twice on set pieces, uh, um, uh, yeah, wireless on not looking so great on the on the both occasions actually, especially the second one, uh, this first one. Well, or, or what, wait, maybe I'm mixing up the goals here, but on one of the goals it was really at fault, I feel, and on the other one, maybe he could have done more, but well, not 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 that he was the only one to blame on that one. And at the other end of the pitch, um, yeah, the, the team has 12 goals uh, scored and Denki has now made eight of them, which, um, yeah, sh- sh- shows both how good he is playing at the, this season for the majority of the time and the issue that the, that, that, that Circle are having with the, yeah, the, that they were always going to have with Ueda leaving. But um, yeah, they can't rely on just one player to, in this case, Denki, to to really make up for that, even though they are performing well and, um, yeah, and also in their in the rankings are doing well. Because, uh, well, <laughs> while certain teams draw a lot, Circle is the one uh, exception here. They have no draws yet, so uh, they... They, they've won or lost every game they've got. Uh, they've played. Leuven then Rada Shlomo on his uh, debut, scoring his first goal, being an Israeli defender in these times. Um, yeah, that that actually was quite fitting. Uh, I thought. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, the, the without make going further into the politics there, of course, but just on a personal level for him, that that must have been good. Um, given recent events, um, and um, yeah, also if we're also talking about teams where the injury waves uh, are are continuing, uh, um, yeah, Torstenson um, also got injured before the game. Sagrado was also already um, uh, ma- well mentioned that he was injured and would be out for quite a while as well. So uh, also they are having some uh, injury worries in the upcoming time, um, and uh, well. But I do feel like they actually reacted relatively well, actually, on the injuries. Also, after coming back twice, um, mainly that in this game, com- after coming back twice, they, they yeah, they, they've come, they've uh, reacted quite well to ultimately still concede that that final goal, uh, of course. But um, it could have gone differently as well. It was quite an even game, and uh, Leuven definitely also had their chances, but uh, did not take them. And, uh, yeah, I think he had one of those days and is now top scorer of the league, of course, as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Yoris, what what you make of what um, Kevin Denke's future is going to be, because I was alluding to the fact that he probably will leave next summer. Um, There's not not been much secret about that, you know, and you were underlining how over-reliant they've really been on him up till now. There will be a degree of succession planning, obviously, in Circle. The recruitment has generally been very good, so they will be aware of that, that, that issue. There are are some really good attacking players at Circle at the moment who obviously need to pitch in a little bit more. That that kind of goes without saying. You know, there are players there that do have goals in them. Um, somebody who I've been quite impressed by um, since the start of the season has, has been Alan Minda. He was he was pretty poor this weekend. I thought um, kind of came off injured himself, um, but you know he's got a lot to contribute. I'm also a big fan of Yanga Boho, as regular listeners will know as well. I think he's a player that's getting better um, all the time. On on the subject of uh, Leuven, 
Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Thorstein Senoris because obviously he came off injured and he's probably been Leuven's best player so far this season. They won't want to be without him for too long, I don't think, will they? No, of course not. Uh, yeah, like you said, he's been their probably more, most influential player this season and I'm not sure if they can do uh, do a long time without him. I, I think it's crucial for their season that he uh, gets back as soon as possible. Otherwise... The future looks a bit more grim already again for uh, for Mike Bass and his men. Yeah, I think that's the last thing Mark Bryce needs. We've actually had a we've had a listener question this week um, on Circle, which we should really pick up just now as we're talking about Circle. Um, Jack Hacken, Feyenoord enthusiast, thanks for the thanks for the question. Jack asks us. Is Circle overtaking club now? Since Mira Muslic has settled at Circle, they've been continually getting better and better. I've been playing a, an attractive style of uh, football, while club have had uh, four coaches in 12 months while continually getting worse. Are there any winds of change? Asks Jack. What do you reckon, Joris? Klubrugen is at one of the. Is not at their best. And Klubrugen is probably at one of their best forms and still. The, the the rankings are not in favor of Cerclebu at the moment, so I, I would I would think, of course, it was a, not a very serious question, but uh, I don't I don't think that's uh, something that is happening. Also, not completely agreeing with a very attractive style of football, to be honest, as well. Like they're picking up points, but yeah, okay, it's it's it that's that's a matter of taste, of course, as well. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I I think just you know, my, my tuppence worth is I I don't think Circular in danger of overtaking Club in terms of the the consistent level that Club have obviously set. I think the important thing here, I suppose, from a neutral perspective, is that um, Circle are making great strides as a club. Um, they, they've moved from being a club that flirted with relegation season after season to becoming, you know, a, a solid pro league club now and a, a solid pro league club who, who are pushing um, quite hard, rightly so, because of the work that Miro Muslic and his team have been doing there for for hopefully um, a playoff one spot. Um, doesn't mean they'll achieve it, but, you know, the, the, the targets and objectives at that club have completely changed because of the progress they've made. So although I don't think they're they're going to be usurping uh, club's position uh, anytime soon, they are making massive strides um, and the, the the future looks bright. And I think it's important that they hold on to a coach like Miron Muslic as, as long as they can, because a lot of the good work that's gone on there is now... Um, driven forward by him on on on, on a day to day basis um, as well, and and he seems a very good fit for the club. So, yeah, a club moving in the right direction. I think that's probably the the, the right answer to, to to that one. Let's move on, shall we, Joris? Let's um let's have a chat about uh, Jonas de Rock and his side Westerlo, who not only managed to get off the mark, uh, much to his delight, but managed to get off of the bottom this week after their their one nil win against. Kortrijk. Yep, and there's a few more good statistics there, of course. Uh, that first win, uh, two clean sheets in the last three games, not lost in these last three games as well already. Things can change quickly there in the, at the bottom if you see the numbers like that, which is, of course, a bit too rosy maybe as well, but definitely a game they needed to win and they did. And um, the good thing for Westerlo as well is, of course, uh, also that uh, they... They, their schedule actually has been quite hard on them this uh, so far. 
thus far and um, now it eases a little bit for them of course they need to make use of that uh, the otherwise yeah things could get worse really quickly again as well but um, if they indeed uh, pick, uh, keep on picking up some points from now on then um, their season might not be completely lost yet in the sense of the they, they might be able to even still climb out of the, the this relegation uh, zone the, the last four teams relegation playoffs um, of course, will that be enough? That's the question. Um, yeah, for Kortrijk, no wins since 2009 in uh, in Kuip, yeah, uh, in uh, Westerlo. Uh, that's uh, eight games. It's so it's less dramatic and then really 2009. This this gave out I always <laughs> I always put in, with these stats, but uh, yeah, eight games. It's still already quite a list. Um, also, the seventh time already this season that they haven't scored a goal in the first half. Well, okay, in this in this uh, actually game even not at all. Um, although, yeah, they they actually did score a goal in the in the final uh, dying minutes of the game, and there is a lot of controversy about that one as well. Actually, whether that should have been called offside or not. So I'd like to hear your opinion on that. I'm, I'm sitting on the fence of that on that one. I think it's it's a very tough call. It, it is a discussion point, definitely. Yeah, I think it's one of those one of those discussion points from from this weekend that that, that got a lot of people kind of hot under the collar. I know the Kortrijk fans were you know um, pretty angry with that, and it, you know it was funny because I think um, I think the decision was maybe just about right. I I didn't feel as outraged by it as the Kortrijk fans. I can I can see why that was why that was actually chopped. Um, I mean, there's there's a number of things that go on in that phase of play, of course, um, and this is, I suppose, another good example of why I think it's important that we get all get access to the recordings of the conversations um, as soon as we can, as well, because this is one of those ones where initially it's not really very clear, particularly where the fault lies. And what phase of play is it that they're actually focusing on to kind of base the decision on as well? Um, you know, obviously you could look back on, on on any decision and probably go back far enough. You you will find something that, you know, a foul or an offside somewhere that, you know, um, leads to a goal being ruled out. But um, yeah, I think it was the initial confusion of not knowing exactly what was at the heart of this. And these things could be cleared up even ahead of us talking about them as, as we do every week with the communications being available uh, much more readily. And believe you me, everybody, I think that day is coming. It's uh, it's getting closer all the time. At least it, it feels like that. Um, the pressure's definitely on for, for that to change. Um, and it means that we don't all spend, you know, all of our time at uh, work and on lunch kind of debating uh, what, what we thought of that. I think the most relieved person in the house uh, at that particular time will have been Jonas de Rock, obviously. I mean, this is... This is a massive win for them. They've been they've been looking a little bit. I, I suppose shaky is probably the word I would use for for a while now. Not not entirely convincing. Kind of trying to find their feet again. Um, you know, re rejigging the side somewhat, and things obviously haven't haven't quite been working for them. So he will definitely be hoping that this result, which is a big one for them, obviously because it's against Kurtrike, who are right down there with them just now, will be some sort of catalyst um, for them to to get going again. It was a very weird game to watch for me. I thought, for the most part, Kertry 
Celtic actually were the better side generally, and Westerlo obviously being the home team, I, I was thinking, is there are they deliberately trying to play in the break here for the majority of the game? And I couldn't honestly make my mind up. They seemed reasonably happy to let Cortreich have the ball, which for a side at home, you would expect um, to, to be in the front foot themselves. And for most of the last season when they were at home, um, Hedcupier was a difficult place to go for most sides, and that's where they played their best football. But they've, they've, they they seem to be in the process of adapting their game, I suppose. That's how I would describe it. And maybe we're seeing the signs of, of them being a little bit more pragmatic in their approach at the moment, especially at home, uh, with, with confidence not necessarily um, being at the highest. But they've got an interesting schedule coming up, and maybe there's some more points for them um, in there because obviously there's a there's a long way still to go yet. Speaking of long ways to go, um, we had a there was a big game in Brussels on on Saturday night, and I say a big game in Brussels, emphasising that point, Joris, because this was the first time Anderlecht had played at home on a Saturday evening for what feels like forever. Um, they have installed a rather snazzy new LED lighting system. Uh, most pe- most football fans will know that you know a lot of teams across Europe now have these big lighting systems in stadiums, which often feature on European nights for clubs. Uh, but Anderlecht decided to to fit fit their new LED lighting system, bathe the Lotto Park in in mauve, of course. Um, and celebrate the the 80th birthday of um, club icon Paul van Himst, who came out into the centre circle um, under a spotlight with the rest of the stadium bathed in mauve, um, and then they played some rather lovely footage uh, of some of his old goals with some messages on the screen. And it was actually, I mean, Van Himst himself was very moved, Joris, but I, I found it quite moving as well because I think it's easy for people to forget, especially those who don't necessarily know their Belgian football that well, that Paul Van Himst is 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 absolutely an icon um, and his 80th birthday comes in the same week that uh, Eden Hazard obviously announces his, his retirement. Another legend of Belgian football, a modern legend, um, perhaps apt it's coming this week. I was asked today when I was um, doing a live um, television interview um, in connection with Belgian football um, about Eden Hazard, um, and I got asked where where did I feel he kind of sits in the pantheon of Belgian sort of football culture, and I said, well, you know, it's always difficult to judge these things, especially in the same week of Van Hempstatius' birthday. I thought that was a a bit unfair in a way, but he's you know as as, as the modern pantheon goes, he's he's absolutely right up there. I think, isn't he? Definitely. Yeah, both of these uh, players uh, in the whole uh, history for sure. Yeah, and then it's a matter of, of yeah, all of a lot of things that uh, like I personally haven't seen Van Imps play in life, so I, I, I can't really judge him. So I won't even try. Uh, I think that's the smartest thing for me to do here as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely both of them uh, very, very influential players in Belgian football as well. Um, and then, yeah, for me, Hazard is definitely the number one player that I have seen, let's put it like that way uh, as well, the, uh, so far. Um, a Belgian player that is, of course. And um, yeah, I think also the, the, the Van Hems tribute to him, yeah, was probably the highlight of the game, maybe until a Mechelen, uh, be, well, a, a, a player from Mechelen that, that comes from the city of Mechelen uh, put a nice accolade to the evening by scoring a goal for Anderlecht, of course, that, um, that, <laughs> uh, with uh, Amuzu, of course. Um, but yeah, 
so uh, de definitely that was more the highlight of the evening and a really well uh, a job well done uh, by the, the Antwerp, uh, Anderlicht, of course, the Anderlicht uh, the marketing department or who and whoever was involved at the this uh, celebration. Uh, that's maybe the, still the better word. Uh, even tribute does not sound perfect to me. But um, yeah, Ben, still a little bit about the game, uh, of course. Um yeah, there seems to be something going on with Sturikis uh, against Mechelen. They, they they have a thing. Uh, four, four of his five uh, goals in the Jupiler Pro League have fallen against Mechelen now in the last three games that Anrecht played against Mechelen um, as well. Yeah, so uh, definitely, um, definitely something going on between them. Um, yeah, Anderlecht still unbeaten at home. Uh, this is a stat that I will reuse a few times in in the in these episodes. That's a spoiler alert, but um, definitely it uh, was the case. Uh, like uh, with Charleroi, for example, already as well. Yeah, uh, and for Mechelen, um, yeah, and like I mentioned, like brilliant goal from Amuzu, by the way. That the third one, definitely go go watch that one. He seems. To score a bit more often, and then when he scores, then um, yeah, it's it's usually not ugly goals. <laughs> let's let's put it that way. Um, and on Mechelen, then uh, they they desperately uh, need a win now as well uh, after a few um, winless weeks or maybe a winless month uh, up by now. Um, yeah, um, and uh, for doing that the, in this game, it it was not impossible. I felt Andrecht were the better side throughout but uh in uh, especially in the first half but in the uh the Michelin mainly missed their momentum in the first 15 minutes 15 maybe 20 minutes of the second half um when the scoreline was still 1-0 um and um, they actually created quite a few chances four or five even i believe and um yeah the, that they didn't take them and then uh the the one time Andrecht went over the first time Andrecht really uh, came over in the second half they did manage to uh, easily carve them open and uh, and get that second goal as well and um yeah then the game was more or less over despite um yeah storm scoring a rather rather um fortuitous goal <laughs> i guess um, but uh, and bring the scoreline back to two one before that accolade from uh, from Amuzo. But um, yeah, definitely. And um, in the bigger picture, um, of course, for Anrecht also, they are uh, at that moment they they went um, up top in the weekend. They are not at the end of the weekend, but uh, nonetheless they did good business. Um, yeah, by winning this game and by seeing some uh, oppo um, yeah opponents in the in the ranking. Uh, drop some points. Yeah, of course. Those who saw the game will 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 know already that Anderlecht were playing in that um, what I think was that lovely white strip, of course, which is a, a replica, a modern replica, if you like, of of, of the great kit of Van Hemst's heyday as as part of the celebrations um, on the evening. 
Um, and the, the the whole game just had a had a I don't know a celebratory feel about it. I mean, obviously it was leaned very heavily in Anderlecht's favour. It was their celebration, but um, there was something about the atmosphere that was very special. And there there has been talk now that perhaps Anderlecht might play more games at home on 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 a Saturday evening. And the the uh, the logistical issues that are very Brussels based ones that that have partly prevented that up till now uh, may well be looked at again, which is which is interesting it certainly didn't didn't keep the crowds um away who who came out for for the party i thought it was interesting afterwards actually um i was listening to uh, rob scoofs talking about the game and um he was saying he was disappointed that that Mechelen weren't able to impose themselves really um at any point and 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 make the most of of particularly that period early in the second half where they they had some more possession and were managing to cause anderlecht a few problems um i think he felt they, they showed them maybe a little bit too much respect in the first half, but I think you're right, Joris. I think they they badly need you know a win or or a couple of wins now because they are they are slowly starting to kind of get sucked into that that mix down at the bottom and and the the inconsistency that's plagued them for for a while um, seems to be um, getting the better of them um, at the moment. Uh, I think they, they they they're struggling to take. Take their opportunities when they come as well, and even even a player um, like Patrick Fluke, who's been very good since he came in, um, you know, didn't didn't have a great game this week, and and rather mysteriously was was substituted uh, yet again, um, depressingly early, I think, uh, for a player who who can offer what he can offensively by Stephen Defoe. It seems to be something he, he likes doing. There's a pattern of of Fluke kind of com- coming off uh, with a good half an hour of games to go. So I don't know whether that's more more a tactical thing or more about kind of keeping players um, fit uh, and happy and giving everybody some game time because that one just on a personal level to me is a bit a bit mysterious but I, I enjoyed this game and obviously it, it was one in the end right at the end it was finished by that wonderful goal by Amuzu which is is definitely one that he will remember with with great fondness um, a fantastic goal that one so let's move on shall we to the, the the big game of the weekend and it probably was the game that most people um had been looking forward to since the start of the season everyone knows about Ronnie Dyla obviously leaving standard and and going to club Brugge um, in, in in the summer, um, and some of the rancor around that, particularly in the standard fans' uh, point of view, uh, everyone looked at their diary when the fixtures first came out, didn't they, Joris, and went, when the club first go to Sklesen, uh when are we going to get that spicy kind of pairing? And we had it this weekend for the first time. And the truth is, from a spice perspective, um, it was a bit of a damp squib, um, certainly off off the pitch, um, as far as TIFOs and, and kind of fan reception was concerned. Although I did notice that Ronnie Dyla did look pretty nervous um, pre-match and during the early stages of the game. The spice, of course, did did come eventually. Um, it was a reasonably heated match, uh, which we now know Standard managed, managed to win, somewhat against the odds slightly. I think there was an element of luck in, in, in my view. They didn't play particularly well, but rode their luck as you need to do in games sometimes and um, get the opening goal, uh, which of course is checked by VAR. And again, a slight element of controversy. I don't know what you think, Joris. The, the VAR to me seemed to confirm that it was marginally offside, but they gave it as marginally on uh, uh, Bacardi's header um, 
great, great set piece actually, really, really good. Obviously, Isaac Price eh, nabs the winner right at the end. Ronnie Dyler very unhappy with that after club getting back into the game late on through through their main man of the moment, Andreas Skov Olsen. Um, I think club. Um, dominated this game for the most part and I think 9 times out of 10 probably should have won this but I think you know that, that failure to use the ball well in the final third is what got the better of them this weekend Ronnie Dyla talking specifically about that afterwards saying that he felt that they controlled the game uh, the entire game which I, I think they did football's a funny thing isn't it Yoris because sometimes you know you don't in a way get your just desserts um, you get that little bit of luck and there's a certain poetic justice in a way the standard coming away with the, the win in the end and maybe just now the standard fans will maybe be able to move on from, from Ronnie Dylagate there was indeed less action off the pitch then that's a good thing actually I suppose uh, the, there was not that much spice about the game um, yeah, a good thing in the sense that it often goes a bit too far. Uh, it's, it's, I want, it seems to be one of the extremes. Uh, a bit more in the middle maybe, might have been even better, of course. A little, little size. But um, yeah, um, that, 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 was, uh, that was that. And of course, everyone at Scresa in the end will have been happy with that result um, for sure. Get that first goal that really was a great header. They have to underline that. Probably the best header you'll see all season, maybe uh, even. Um, and um, yeah, but was it offside or not? Yeah, it's a difficult one. They in the end called it that the lines were too close to each other so that it could, yeah, that, that that's why, um, like, this, the small margin of error they. they they could. They went with the decision on field, which was uh, that it uh, well that it was on site. Um, well, that's uh, fair enough, I suppose. Although I'm not completely convinced the line was taken correctly as well, though. <laughs> that that would change things there as well. <laughs> if that line on the of the, if there was not a foot, um, well, that the line was not running over the foot instead of well slightly being ahead of of Bocari, of course, uh, then. Um, but okay, uh, it is what it is, uh, and f- that's fair enough, I suppose. Although I'm not completely convinced that this should be the case, it seems that that's the rule. So um, yeah, so be it for the moment. Uh, yeah, Standard uh, on a good streak now as well. <laughs> By the way, that was also their second goal of the season at home. That now they have three uh, in the end, so that's uh, that's something they definitely still have a lot of margin. Uh, uh, to improve, but uh, yeah, they they are quite on a good streak nonetheless. And moving up the table, um, I found Bodar probably the best player on the pitch, or definitely from Standard's side. Um, yeah, uh, also the, that shows in the numbers this se- of the season as well. Um, yeah, they they have the second best defense, believe it or not. Um, yeah, the, there's definitely. Um, the issues lie a bit more uh, at a different aspect of the field. So uh, this season and Onkle Brugge, yeah, this disappointing points haul so far. I think you could say that either way. Um, yeah, if we compare it to last season, I know this is not something you need to do all the time, but um, for the sake of it, after ten games, um, yeah, they they actually to score uh, they score worse. There, there's a bit of a the factor that that helps uh, them in this sense is that other teams are indeed, like I mentioned last week, also performing a lot worse than uh, last uh, season. Um, 
not only other teams, but also the points haul and total of the, the teams leading the pack is lower than uh, than last season. But um, my main thing is more on them is like the rea- reliability again on on Scoff Olsen. Um, yeah, like he, they, he scored again, but he was already this whole second half, at least maybe longer, clearly half injured. Um, and, and, and in the end, so he did score, but also he is one of the main responsibles for conceding that late goal as well. So in the end, he didn't even get them that point. And also, just in general, of course, is it really worth it to, to risk that? Uh, important of a player that is injury prone, that has been proven in the past already for this kind of game at the moment, at this uh, stage of the season. Especially, okay, that you can't foresee then, of course, but that the gamble doesn't pay off uh, either. Um, although, well, on maybe another thing, of course, you could also immediately see uh, Musa's impact when he, he was also back on the pitch. Um, yeah, and he immediately had, some, had an impact on, on the game and on the, the, the threats that came from, from Cluvillian as well. So that's good news for them that he is back uh, so far, it seems. But uh, yeah, um, a lot of a lot of things to ponder at Cluvillian still, though. Yeah, you're right, there is. And speaking of pondering, we've had a, we've had a couple of listeners' questions that touch on some of the things we've, we've just discussed there. So we'll try and wrap these questions t- together, I think, because they cover pretty much the same the same thing. Um, at it's really Ollie asks, is it fair to say that Standard were a bit lucky since Bruges have been lacking this luck over the last five games? Could it not be that there's something wrong with Bruges? And regular listener uh, Matt Ball at Matt J Ball asks, what do you think is more of a problem at club? Is it the leaky defence that refuses to get clean sheets? Um, and obviously they didn't get one again this week. Or is the real issue with the attack that, that was firing but seems to have dropped off? So there are two questions. I'll start with the last one with uh, Matt. Well, I do feel like it's not necessarily the issue of one a specific um, line, but the the balance uh, in the in the squad seems to be yeah not not completely uh, in, in the starting eleven as well not completely uh, right. So that could lean into even maybe the midfield might be or parts of the midfield could be the issue. There's yeah there's clearly talent there, but does does it really suit the style of play and do they cover enough ground and um, so on? Yeah, but also all of the the, the right answer here is seem is to me like everywhere there's a there there is a there are some issues. Um, yeah, the I've I've actually said it from the beginning that the defense, in my opinion, is not good enough to really go all the way this season. Um, or or is it always going to be a reliability a liability? And that in that case, the attackers, of course, uh, need to keep on scoring and. Well, it does happen, um, of course. You know, we, we've seen that uh, on uh, on occasions with other teams as well um, that do that do rely on scoring more goals than the others. There are periods in the season where that does not happen. Um, yeah, will that resolve itself or not? That is indeed a big question. But um, to to get out of it, I do feel feel like um, yeah, a little bit more of a balance uh, might might needs to be found. Plus, yeah. The, the the they need to be 
yeah, getting more threats and more danger and actually score more goals uh, and rely less on, on Skovolsen and uh, Nusa in, in these occasions as well, of course. If they are both on the pitch already, that, that already will make a big difference, I feel. And um, yeah, on the that first question, can you repeat that one? I forgot it by, by answering the first uh, the, this one already uh, as well. Um, yeah, Ollie, Ollie was asking about wh- whether it's fair to say that Standard were a, um, were a bit lucky to get the win. Um, yeah, um, well, uh, yeah, uh, I, I guess, yes, it's fair to say either way, you can always look at a game in a vacuum, but it is not a coincidence either. It's, uh, it's, it, it's yeah, I, I think that is still a thing you can say without the, say the one thing without the other one not being true either. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I think Ollie was uh, aiming aiming his guns at me there with that question because I I did come out of the traps very early after the game finished and said that I felt Standard were were quite lucky um, to, to to win the game, which is is no bad thing. As I was saying, you know, you need that in football sometimes when when you know in a game when you've not been the better side. The real positive about this, from a Standard perspective, is I think that they actually managed to do this weekend what they've been trying to do for a long time and that is take the few chances that they did create in a game you know the efficiency that had been missing because they yet again this weekend they didn't really create a lot but they took two chances Ronnie Dyla did say afterwards actually of the winning goal that that he he described it as really really annoying that was the actual quote um, you know, he feels that that was just simply, you know, bad defending, um, which I think he's probably right about. He feels that that's just, you know, something that shouldn't shouldn't have happened at all, um, and frustrated not to have come away with a point, considering that, that the club played reasonably well. But yeah, I mean that 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 luck certainly in my part is is not meant as a criticism of Standard. I just find it ironic that you know they've benefited from that this weekend on a game that perhaps on a personal level to lots of people involved in that fixture was much more important um, than, than than it would ordinarily be. Always this is a big fixture, but I think there was a lot a lot of things riding on things emotionally, and it was nice to see the, the standard fans and, and players letting off a little bit of steam after uh, after the win, seeing, seeing what it made to them. I do think one thing I think it's important to watch out for is I think it's important that standard approach all games with the degree of conviction that they brought onto the pitch this weekend, Yoris, because they they did look like, um, although they were on the back foot for huge chunks of this game, they did look like they were up for it very much. And they, they've come into some games um, where they haven't quite looked as up for it as they did this weekend. So the levels of motivation and, and energy and aggressiveness that they applied to this one, I think they need to try and bring in a consistent basis. And if they can do that, then they probably will start to pick up um, some more points. But yeah, as Joris was saying right at the beginning of us talking about this game, I, I think um, things are looking a whole lot more positive down down Slesson Way after after that one, and they will go into the international break on on, on fine spirits as a result of that. Speaking of sides having fine wins or fine wins as they would see it, we saw a looking at it now a, a, an easy home win at the, at the Bossel as Antwerp 
um, steamrolled Open uh, 4-1. Things started very well uh, for the East Cantons club, didn't they, Joris? Uh, uh, opening the scoring for, for Open early on in, in the 11th minute, and then it all kind of seemed to unravel for them after that. And Antwerp aside, who we've been highlighting recently, have been struggling to score, um, seem to have not only found their scoring boots again, Joris, but seem to be coming up with uh, some remarkable XG figures. Yes, definitely five point six seven. That's uh, that are yeah, that are good numbers uh, for sure. You won't, don't see them that often this high. I think we saw it similar at least last season as well, uh, once and maybe even this season. But I don't recall that one. Uh, maybe Klubrug against uh, Mech- uh, Molenbeek that might actually be have, have been a high one as well. Yeah, uh, firing at all cylinders except. I will make that one remark then now already then before going a bit more positive uh, about Antwerp. Except Janssen, uh, just by scoring four goals, he didn't. And he missed a few cha- big chances as well, which mm-hmm. also more or less explains the, this higher XG. He was not the only one, though. Uh, they they could really could have scored more. Ekelkamp also missed the center, I believe, and Muya, I think, as well. May, uh, also a, big, a really big chance that on other days he would score. Well, in the end, he did score. He did score as well, of course, but uh, he could have had more than one goal. Um, yeah, but yeah, not that much to say about this game. Actually, I think since the difference was so big, the only thing making it a bit more interesting was Nuhu opening the score uh, for for Urban, but that did not last long. Um, yeah, that was the although the the first goal Antwerp conceded out of open play this season in the league. Um, of course, as well, uh, and also still their only, only fifth uh, goal in total. Um, so yeah, that's uh, th- these are definitely numbers uh, you can build on. Uh, there, but at Antwerp, you could really see where the issue does not lie and where the issues have been lying for the past few weeks, um, a little bit. And for Up, yeah, fifth uh, loss in a row. Um, yeah, are they already at that stage where they are getting that? Uh, just slides down the, so far they're still out of the relegation playoffs uh, just on games one because of that that that's the first criterion criterion uh, and not, not goals conceded because uh, I believe they have the joint worst uh, defense in the league as well um, yeah and that showed in this game as well pass us again I do not really want to pick on him but uh, yeah he scored that own goal so we have to mention him <laughs> just be- only because of that already I suppose and um, yeah just in general did not have a great game again either and um, I-, I feel like Kofeld needs to find a different way of playing um, as well um, to-, to-, to keep them in the league as well um, if there's not again. They're they're still relatively safe at the moment, but um, yeah, they that they they really sh- they really need to start getting points because five losses in a row, yeah, that are not good stats. Yeah, they're, they're starting to show signs of the kind of free fall that um, that beset them for for a lot of last season as well. Um, after a reasonably bright start, I think, aren't they? Um, while we're talking about uh, Antwerp on on this section, I want to get your thoughts. Joris on the news that was confirmed uh, today that uh, Antwerp midfielder Arthur Vermeeren, which obviously everybody will know a, a lot about the, the footballing world, 
knows all about Arthur Vermeer and now, no secret. Uh, it's been confirmed that he has received his first senior call-up to, to the Red Devils after some injuries. So after those clamours uh, for him to be part of Domenico Tedesco's squads, he has been uh, called up. Um, through through the injuries of other players and looks like he's going to get get an opportunity unexpectedly at this stage. Um, did that surprise you, Yoris? I think that's kind of quite exciting news on a number of levels, really. No, it's not really surprising. It's more, well, it's surprising in the sense that uh, by doing this after Atrosar got injured, it, like whatever Tedesco said before, the, uh, as an explanation why Vermeer was not there yet, um, that well, does not make sense because it's not a position for position switch. Uh, and uh, he said that Vermeer, well, he, they, he doesn't need, didn't need a profile of Vermeer as there are already so many profiles, which was already a weird one considering Mandela Keita, his partner in midfield, did get the call up as uh, originally already as well. And uh, despite how, how good he the, he is the, of his type of player. Uh, there definitely are an abundance in the in the squad, or there's an abundance of choice there. So that did not make sense. But the call up in itself is, uh, yeah, is deserved. I, I guess as well. Um, that uh, yeah, definitely something uh, exciting to to see. And like yeah, I, I find it good that uh, that that far, that that did happen. Young players uh, dropping them in. It's not that he's completely a newbie either. He already has a little bit, not well, the full two games, of course, but uh, of European experience as well uh, at a high level and perf- and yeah, performed all right uh, there. Uh, definitely giving two assists last week uh, against Shakhtar. Um, that does not hurt uh, to stop the hype. <laughs> Uh, well, or does not stop the hype, let's say it like that. I think uh, my phrasing was incorrect otherwise. But, um, yeah, um, definitely not uh, not surprised and quite excited as well, yeah. Yeah, I think it is It is really exciting news um, and the pressure had kind of been building. Um, it's definitely a deserved call-up, that, that, that's for sure. It'll be really interesting to see if he starts any of the upcoming games, I think, as well, if he's, if he's thrown right in there um, because I think he's, I think he's ready um, for it. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can bring the form that he's brought domestically to, to, to the national team and, and, and what he can add to that squad because the, the talent there is huge and we all know he has, a, he has an absolutely bright future ahead of him uh, wherever he plays his club football but also also on a, at a national level as well. Got the news today as well that um, replacing him with the under-21s is Anderlecht's Marco Cana, uh, which, which I think is kind of a good call from the under-21 uh, perspective. Um, as well, so some interesting movement um, on the the national team front today. The big game on Sunday, Yoris, uh, was uh, involving your side, the Genkies, um, who yet again another draw. The game finished one all at the Galamco uh, against the Buffaloes. Um, your side going ahead um, at the midway point in the second half. Andy Zakiri scoring again, and then Mati Samwas managing um, to. I, I wouldn't say salvage a draw, but kind of get the draw for for, for Ghent. Um, how how do you feel about the game now, looking back on it, Yoris? Because I think you know at the time Ghent seemed to. Um, have this one under control? Is it one that got away from them? Do you think? All in all, a fair result. With uh, that, that anyway was the case. Uh, both teams had their moments, but after the nil one, uh, the, the 
can have some chances to kill the game off. So in that sense, maybe. But all in all, on, on itself as well, again, in a vacuum, a fair result and a result that I can live with as well. Uh, uh, a point away from home in a top game is uh, not is ne- never a really bad thing, but uh, especially since after the 1-1, even uh, Van der Voort also had to make a, a good save as well still to not completely lose the game. And also here was a bit of a yeah very close offside call. In the end, I think that one was a bit clearer, but still close uh, to to uh, what happened at Splessin, where uh, when in this time Orman's goal did get disallowed. That was horrific defending after 30, 30 seconds t- after taking the lead as well. By the way, that's uh, that's another topic that, that that in the end did by more luck than the knowledge um, gets. Uh, yeah, he got away with that. But um, yeah, the f- first time that Hint have not scored at least twice at home the, this season, that, that's a stat, um, as, uh, I suppose. And they also lost uh, top spots um, because of this draw. Um, but nonetheless, I think uh, a decent result for, for both sides. Um, but yeah, for Hink, um it's more like, again, a draw. Um, to, to go back to, to my uh, silly comparisons to last season, they actually uh, have lost as many games as last season after, at this stage of the season, uh, which is one. And that game last season at the first day of the season already, this time slightly later, but not much. But um, that, yeah, the, there's just uh, the difference is there, this time there's six draws and only three wins after that. And I believe at that stage, um, it was only one draw and eight wins, uh, which does make all the difference, of course. It's a bit of a weird season um, so far. Pulling a game over the line, it's the uh, the team of uh, 2023 for Genk already in the last season. It also already started as well. They have the exact same goal difference as their opponents, uh, Gent here and Anderlecht, who both are in uh, better positions uh, in, in, in their rankings as well. So, yeah. That's uh, that. That are some stats like you feel like if they got a little bit more lucky, they they would be higher up the table. And also, if they finally get a get get a get a home win, because their way results are actually uh, really yeah really good. Actually, they haven't lost yet, and after all, you haven't played um, uh, at Union, at Gent, at Club. So these results are so far yeah, not the issue, but that. Yeah, at home, there's definitely some things that, that need to be resolved somehow. Uh, whether that's a psychological thing already or not, um, that, yeah, they definitely somehow need to get over it. And uh, yeah, it, the, the, at the same point of the season, it still feels like it can go either way. At the moment, they are have been kicked out uh, by Cirque Brugge out of the temporary top six spots in that playoff one. Um, well, not uh, on the on the games one, of course, uh, not on goal difference, uh, like I mentioned before at the relegation as well. Yeah, coming to this game, I know you were a little bit worried about the the, the starting lineup. Um, how how do you think uh, LOED got on uh, this weekend? Because I know he was somebody you were highlighting as as having a just just been worried as to how he would do. And also, I wanted to ask you as well about Andy Zakiri, since he's come in. Obviously, a lot of pressure on him. Um, to, to to be the main man, and he, he seems to generally have started kind of um, pretty brightly, all things considered. I think. Yeah, on LOAD, of course, my worries were not really about him necessarily, a little bit as well because it was a debut, of course, uh, and then that in a game against a team that was performing really well this season so far. 
but more that it was not Munoz. Uh, and what, uh, but okay, at least on that side, it seems like it was more of a, a general fitness issue. So he was just rested in a kind of a rotation. And uh, I was actually uh, still pleasantly surprised by Eluadi. For most of the game, he did. Uh, he did well, especially defensively. Um, there, uh, there was some times that the ball he could have done better, but on the second half, uh, that improved as well, almost leading into an assist or even a goal for himself. And um, even after a, a great rush that looked uh, quite Munionesque, uh, like this, if I can, can call it that way. But um, yeah, no, all in all, he, he had a really good game, uh, all things considered. Um, of course, slightly helped. Uh, I need to mention that uh, match factor, of course, as well. That Candus um, got off at him, and uh, by doing so, his uh, straight opponent, well, one of his opponents in Archie Brown, moved uh, in a diff- to a different position in uh, in in defense, which um, yeah made it a bit easier on on both him and the Hink uh, squad uh, defense and on the whole as well, as uh, Brown was uh, was being. Uh, was playing a good game at this position at the more to the left of the pitch um, as well. So yeah, no, on Elwadi, good, uh, good one. In on Zikiri, well, it's yeah, on the whole he started well. I guess he's he's pitched in already with a few goals. Seems a bit of a no-nonsense striker and and being a bit more controlled in in his finishing. Uh, he has a lot. I, I haven't checked that specifically, but I think a lot of his actions actually uh, and shots actually are uh, goal bound. That doesn't mean they go in, of course, but. Uh, Often, actually, so far, they, they have been blocked, but it would have, if not, they would have been at least uh, two hours ago. Uh, unlike I remember now, that's, uh, that, that, that's, that's no, no no judgment or anything, but I, I remember a, a ball that, that would have been the perfect rugby ball from Tolu placement <laughs> in the game that uh, that went probably out of the stadium, even that 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 was a, a weird moment. But um, anyway, that, we're not talking about that. Unzekiri, yeah, in, in the build up. He has his moments. It probably can be better still, but he, he's not completely useless. Let's put it like that. He he sometimes does a has a good layup. Not everything works, but um, and then he knows his positioning. So um, well, he, he's good at his positioning himself in front of goal. So yeah, I can't complain too much. Uh, so far, a good start on the whole. And hopefully, not a draw for your team next week. <laughs> Uh, the final game of the the weekend then was at the Daewoo Wasabi Stayan. Uh, Torsten Fink's St. Truden losing convincingly at home to Alexander Blesson's uh, rampant Union San side at the moment. I say rampant because they seem to they seem to have not let their uh, relatively minor setback uh, in their European exploits uh, during the week and going to Anfield affect their performance levels at all this weekend, uh, running out convincing winners. And I think we saw, um, interested to get your thoughts on this in a second, Joris, but we saw very much um, a tale of two sides here, you know. St. Truden have, have changed their playing style and, and their approach this season, obviously, under Torsten Fink, um, trying to play more on the front foot uh, and be more positive and, and, and less defensive on the whole, uh, perhaps missing some elements and balance in the side and, and, and missing opportunities, um, not taking the, the numerous chances that they, they, they create. They, they create a lot more than they used to. They're playing here aside, obviously, in Union, who absolutely know how to take their chances and, and in some lessons showed them a real lesson in, in, in efficiency. Um, Alessio Castro Montes uh, getting another goal for the club, uh, striker Gustav Nielsen uh, getting a couple, and Mohamed Amura, who hasn't been shy in um, 
having a positive start at the club, scoring a really fine counter-attacking uh, fourth goal when the game was, was, was already gone. But yeah, I mean, I think in some ways, if I was Torsten Fink, I would be looking at Union saint and saying that's who we want to be, that's what we need to do because we're playing good football but we just need to kind of find a way of, of, of taking our chances because I think, you know, the, the opportunities they're creating and not being able to finish is kind of costing them uh, in games at the moment and it must be kind of quite frustrating for them because they're doing they're doing an awful lot right. Yeah, they have a bit of the same issue as Zerkebergen actually with uh, like they have scored 11 goals and Koita scored 7 out of them. Which at the same time is a bit of a worry because unlike Denki, it's it's not so unlikely that Koita will have them draw spell um, in, in this season. Denki as well, of course, but he is an out-and-out striker. Koita, it's a bit of a hit and miss, uh, quite literally um, in this case. Um, yeah, and that's uh, that uh, that's still a bit of a worry, despite creating a lot more. Uh, they, they definitely have missed out on that striker in the end. Um, in in the transfer window and so far, well, there I don't think anyone is complaining. They're playing quite well still, um, and uh, they are not uh, in a very dramatic position in the rankings either. But um, yeah, that's now three games without a win, uh, nonetheless, uh, two draws, and then this loss, which was indeed a bit of a case of uh, efficiency, taking your chances, like uh, like you mentioned with uh, Union doing so. Uh, Castro Montes was his first goal for Union, if I'm not mistaken, though, so that to correct you uh, slightly there. Uh, but yeah, of course, Union, um, yeah, still impressive uh, how they keep doing it. Um, the, they're also the new uh, sole uh, leaders of the pack. Last week, they, they already became the joint leaders. Now they're the sole ones. The, the stars are looking bright so far. Yeah, very much a club that, that, that thrive on the pressure, Union, I think, and, and continuing to do so, even even with all those changes in the playing staff and, and on the coaching staff this summer. Kind of so interesting to see how they've responded to that. Speaking of sides uh, and responding to pressure, um, let's move on to the the. Challenger Pro League, shall we, Joris? Because we've reached match day eight. Um, and I'll, I'll do a wee score roundup first before we pick up on some of the news this weekend. Uh, Lommel uh, remained top. They won 1 0 at home against SL16. Sarang lost 3 1 at home to Timmy Simons Dender. Young Genk lost 2 1 to, to Beershot, who, who are uh, rising the table uh, a little bit faster now. Club Next uh, won 1 0 at home against Franck Barat, uh, which is a game I saw uh, half of actually. Um, quite an entertaining game, this one. You know, pretty intense and surprisingly aggressive, actually. I, I, was, I, was, um, I was wondering whether there was a beef that I was unaware of um, because there was, there was a fair bit of needle in this game, a finely contested fixture, that's for sure. Patro Eisden's uh, recent fine form was ended by RFC Liège. They went there and won 2 0. Beveren's, uh, I, I say sticky start, we'll, we'll talk about them in a little bit more detail in a minute, but uh, Beveren's, uh, yeah, less than positive start to the season that uh, kind of continued. They lost convincingly 3 0 at home to, to Zalta Varagam, and the uh, Oostend lost 2 1 to Anderlecht Futures, and Leers's poor form continued. They lost 1 0 at home to Denza. So, as I was saying, Joris, Lommel remained top and seemed to be handling the pressure. 
Zoltar. Uh, for the moment, Zoltar, courtesy of their winner, back into second because uh, Patro dropped points this weekend, which means that top scorer remains the man that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, Adriano Bertaccini at RFC Liège. He's now got seven and eight, didn't score this weekend. Um, so one run and away is ended for him, but he's still the main marksman of the moment. Laers, um now in the drop zone, they are winless in seven now. They've lost four of their last five, so they're on they're on a wretched run um, that they, they they'll need to do something about. But I suppose the the main team I wanted to ask you about, and it's partly because we've got a listener question about them, Yoris. Really, was 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 Beveren. Um, we know they've not had the start to the season they would want. We know that they have struggled somewhat to replace the the offensive firepower that they had at their had at their disposal last year. Um, let's start, shall we, with the, the the listener question, which comes from um, at Steve DWR, who asks us what on earth is going on with Beveren and what are the true intentions of Bolt Holdings, who, of course, are the American company who who own the club? What, what are your thoughts on what's happening at the free teal just now, Joris? Well, you touched on the main issue, I think, as well already. The, yeah, well, with Mbokani and uh, Barry leaving, uh, they, they did not, and not replacing them um, in, a, in a good manner, it seems, uh, so far. I guess that's... It's not an easy task, of course, but... Um, they, they, yeah, it seems like they really uh, did not get the right replacement in for for either one of them because they actually were both crucial. Um, yeah, that 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 is a main issue on a on a level on a sportive level on the field, I guess. Uh, about Bolt, well, I, I'm always skeptical about any investment groups, especially for investment groups in Belgian clubs. And I know that's talking about a lot of clubs in Belgium, but um, yeah, I'm I'm just not not fond of them anyway. But I can't, yeah, give a specific insight on this one. I I do not have the information here. So, but that that was just my my personal uh, judgment, not even, but like opinion about um, foreign investors in football, which is a bit short sighted, of course. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one. This I think because we've had a, a number of Beveren fans getting in touch with us. The Beveren fans are 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 very uh, interactive with us here at the BFP. Um, as are some fans of, of of other teams, which we which we always encourage. We love hearing from from uh, clubs uh, fans, and it's interesting because obviously the the story with Bevan last year is is very very narrowly missing the chance to to be, to go back up to the pro league on the final day, and under normal circumstances they would have been promoted uh, along with Molenbeek. So I think they're they're having a tough time at the moment. I mean, obviously the club are underperforming. It goes without saying. I think statistically. Uh, in a lot of regards, they're performing quite well, but that's not con- converting into wins or points. Um, and I think that's frustrating fans um, at the moment. I think the the discontent is growing in the sense that I think a lot of the Beveren fans now um, have kind of turned against Wim de Decker a little bit. I think they're now not necessarily convinced that he's the man to to, to get them promoted now. Um, Joris was touching on the, the recruitment perhaps not working out, which was always going to be difficult, always hugely difficult. And there's an argument to say that some of the fantastic quality that was in that side last year um, they, they they were lucky to get. They got in ahead of some other competitors, and things worked out for them. Obviously, they lost 
Jordi Condom, which we've talked about before. Tom van der Nabil comes in, uh, the new sporting director who who has been the target um, of a lot of criticism for, for fans, particularly with them underperforming at the moment. The difficult thing, I think, for them is they are sitting just above the drop zone at the moment. Um, they are currently eight points off a playoff spot um, which is right at the edges, I think, of you know leaving them no real wiggle room. But then they're ten points off an automatic promotion spot, and although we're only eight games in, that's that's a lot to make up at this stage, um, and to to hope that things kind of start clicking for you. Look, looking at how they've been playing this season, I, I I think there is potential in some of the players that they've brought in. I don't think their recruitment is perhaps as disastrous as some fans would like you to think, but I do think there are some issues at both ends of the pitch um, the ease with which Zalta Varagam scored their three goals this weekend was was pretty frightening um, it was like a knife through butter it was it was far far too easy um, I think their main issue though probably is offensively I think they are they're lacking um, they're lacking somebody at the moment who would be a, a kind of a clinical chance creator if you like um, whether it's a winger or an attacking midfielder who who can provide those assists you know what I mean and and, and bring bring the attack kind of together I think the the opportunities that they're creating they're not taking either so it's there's a slight perfect storm there at the moment one one, one thing I did want to ask you about them specifically Yoris was What's your feeling on whether they should make a coaching change now? Because this is the one thing the Beveren fans keep asking of us. We think it's time now. We'd like to see a change. Why are the club not making the change when, you know, they are rather worried about, you know, their survival at at challenger level now, which I don't think they should be. I think they well pick up enough points to to remain in this division. I, I don't think really they're at danger um, of losing that status at all, but do you think that a coaching change is is now in order? Well, the fans have been screaming for that for uh, a long while now. Already, I think there was already was already a feeling before the season that uh, that maybe a change was in order. But at this point, um, yeah, it definitely feels like it's um, yeah, it's it's time. I think as well, indeed. Uh, 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 yeah. Uh, so short answer. Yes, because it's been going on for a while and there were already doubts uh, in the beginning as well already um, for the season. May Probably not inside the club, obviously, uh, uh, otherwise he would not be still there. But um, yeah, I have a feeling that it's it's not no longer sustainable. Yeah, I, th- I think I would agree with you. I think I felt two or three weeks ago when the pressure was building a little bit that that he needed to be given just that little bit more time. But I, I don't think there are any indications at the moment that that things are going to change. Um, and I think sometimes um, you just kind of need to make that call. And I think changing things up might be the catalyst that that might start uh, to, to 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 produce some some results. Um, and I think obviously there was another small fan protest after after the game this weekend as well, and that's likely to become a regular fitch, fixture. Um, the, the, the more that the kind of malaise that's set in is, is there, and something certainly needs to be done to to relieve the pressure on 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 a number of people there. So that's that's one to keep an eye on over over the next week or so. 
Um, I think that's that's just about um, it for this week, um, Yoris. Obviously, we will we'll be away now for the international break, so uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks. But um, it's been great to catch up with you about the action uh, this week, Yoris. Likewise, likewise, and uh, it's it was nice talking to a celebrity. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yoris is referring to what I I give a little hint at about earlier on earlier on today. I was doing a little live. Um, live television piece to to Sky Sports here in the UK about the the ongoing links between uh, former Genk and Club Bruges T1 uh, Philippe Clement who looks very close now to to sealing a move to to Rangers in uh, here in Glasgow where I'm I'm recording this evening so we'll see if anything comes of that in 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 the coming hours but that 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 was a lot of fun to do so as I was saying yeah we'll be away for a couple of weeks we'll be back after the international break hopefully the Red Devils uh, manage to to bag more points for us. Um, maybe we'll see Eden Hazard in the stands uh, taking in some action now that he's he's retired, of course, Yoris. Um, interesting one, that, actually, because, of course, he is the fourth most capped Red Devil of all time. 126 caps, 33 goals. Not bad. Not bad at all. Probably would have got more caps if he hadn't retired now as well. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he, he crops up um, at the next couple of, of home games. So we'll be back soon. And remember, you can always get in touch with us uh, on, on our socials. You know where to find us. You can email us. You can find us individually um, as well. We, we love getting listeners' questions. And thanks so much for the, the ones that we got this week as well. We got some, some really good ones um, there too. So we'll speak to you very soon on another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast.